0: Father, thank you so much um, just for your word. It's just so encouraging um, to hear of your commission for us, uh, that Christ is fulfillment of Old Testament scripture and that he's the point of all of it. And Father, we uh, we saw this morning that the gospel was preached uh, in the scriptures and uh, the scriptures we've received. So God, as we think about gospel words, I pray that uh, you just help us to see the words that you've used to describe the gospel, that they would just cheer our hearts so we'd understand them, but we'd also understand uh, just the implications that they have on our lives. So help us during this time, help us to be fruitful and encouraging. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, uh, you've come to a study called Gospel Words. Um, you know, if you haven't guessed this yet, Uh, What we're going to be doing in this study is we're going to be talking about gospel words. And uh, in other words, like, we're going to be talking about words that help explain the gospel. So words like propitiation and adoption and justification and redemption and all these words maybe we've heard before. Uh, But since this is our first time meeting together, I really just wanted to start with kind of a brief description of, like, why we're doing this study And then what the goal or the aim is, like what do we want you to get out of this um, in our time? So you might even be walking in here wondering like, what's the point of this gospel growth? Like gospel words, kind of vague, but that's what we want to just talk about briefly before we actually get into our first word. So what's the point of talking about big gospel words? Um, Real quick while I talk about this, can I get a couple volunteers to help me pass out some uh, just handouts? So what's the point of this gospel word study? Well, really, our aim with this time is twofold. So first, we want to present and explain definitions, biblical definitions for these words. You know, these are words that help explain or give meaning to or expand our understanding of the gospel. So we want you to actually know, like, what these words mean. Like, what's a biblical definition here? but we don't just wanna stop at definition. We also wanna draw out the biblical implications of these words, like, you know, there's a difference between just explanation and implication, like, we want you to, we want you to see that our primary goal isn't just to explain these words, but to help you see that when you truly believe these words, like, they can actually change your life. Like These words are, are something that God's used to explain the gospel, which changes our lives. So again, our primary goal is not just to explain these words because if they're gospel words, we want to define them, yes, but we also want to show you how they should cause us to worship. Worship God for what he's done in the gospel. So that's also why, so this handout you're getting, that's why we've developed that. Uh, just so you can, you can walk away with biblical definitions, but also so you can walk away um, knowing what this work of God should cause us to feel, or believe, or do. So that's really the point of this gospel growth: is uh, is to define these words, but also help you see uh, how these words should change our lives. Now, on a bigger level, you might be wondering, like, well, what's the point of even knowing gospel words? Like, what's the point of actually defining these things? What's the point of thinking through the implication of these things? I mean, can't the gospel just be summed up in, like, one word? I want to hear from you, like, what are some one-word summaries of the gospel? Like, what are words that we throw out that's, like, when I explain the gospel or what God's done for me, like, what are some words that we just use, like, one-word summaries that we often use? Grace, yeah, right, grace. Transforming, mercy. Forgiveness, yeah. Substitution, yeah, great. Salvation, yeah, very popular one, salvation. Atonement, love, yeah, right. So you might be wondering, like, I mean, like, why don't we just settle for an all-inclusive, like, singular word? Like, why don't we just call all of this salvation? And I think really the reason is because the Bible uses a lot of different words uh, to explain what God has done. So when the Bible explains the gospel, it doesn't just say this is your salvation or this is your redemption. It's actually using all these various words, words that we're going to talk about in this gospel growth. And if we collapse them all into one, I think we won't be able to fully worship God for just all these various things he's done for us in the gospel. So here's an example. Who in here enjoys reading a good book series? So, not just like individual books, but like a whole series through, even watching like a a video series, movies. Okay. What are some of your favorite book series to read? I just want to hear rapid-fired. Perry Mason series. Okay, great. Any other favorite series? Harry Potter. Okay. Narnia. Yes. What's that? Oh, I've never heard of that one. (laughs) You'll have to explain it to me afterwards. Yeah, so maybe another one like Lord of the Rings. I know a lot of people in here have, you know, read through the Lord of the Rings series. So think about what it takes to understand a series of books. Okay, if someone asks you like, hey, okay, I've heard you've read through the Lord of the Rings series. What is that about? Well, to explain it, you're not going to just say, well, I mean, it's kind of like just Lord of the Rings, you know? It's kind of like, um, it's like Lord of the Rings. And they're like, what? (laughs) Like, that doesn't explain it at all, right? So, no, like, the point of understanding, or the way you understand a book series is you have to read each individual book in the series, right? And then you see what it contributes to the whole series. And then by the end, you're like, oh, my word, I got it. Like, I understand the Lord of the Rings series because I read every individual book. You know, sometimes you even have conversations with people and uh, they're reading through a series and they're like, yeah, I've read the first, like, three books. And you're like, oh, you got to read the fourth one because, like, that's the key. That's how you understand the whole thing, right? So you got to get all these individual pieces. And really, the gospel is the same way. So if someone asks you, like, what is the gospel? You can't just say, like, oh, man, like, it's gospel, you know? (laughs) Like, people are going to look at you and be like, I just asked you what that was. Like, you can't explain it by just that one term. No, you have to unfold the various facets of the gospel. So if someone asks, what are the gospel? Here's a couple ways you could reply. You could say, well, it's the message that God frees you from your sins. And really what you're saying there, that's called redemption. From freedom, from slavery to freedom. You know, someone says, what's the gospel? You could say, it's the message that God loves outcasts. And really what you're saying there, that's, like, that's talking about adoption, that God brings in outcasts into his family. Or if someone says, what's the gospel? You could say, it's the message that God sacrificed Jesus in our place. And really what you're talking about there, that's atonement. That's substitution and atonement. So I just want to help us see like, the value of doing this study. Is that so we can understand these different facets of the gospel? but also so that then we can love God and what he's done more fully. Like, we want to see all the parts, all these words that God uses to explain the gospel, and then together we want to see just how that's so beautiful, and that causes us to worship and thank God for everything he's done for us in the gospel. Okay, so that's kind of overview. Now we're going to dive into one word this morning. The word we're going to be talking about this morning is propitiation. Propitiation. We're starting with hard words to uh, pronounce here, propitiation. So you can write that in your first blank on your sheet. Propitiation. You can see how it's spelled there up on the screen. Okay, so I want to start with defining propitiation, right? We want to define these words. So I want to look at three key texts that are going to help us define propitiation biblically. So the three texts we're going to look at are Romans 3, 23 through 26, Hebrews 2.17, and then 1 John 4.10. So what we're going to do, we're going to break up, just break up in groups of like two or three in your sections, okay? So we're going to take section of right, my right, my middle, and my left. Okay, break up with a couple people next to you. And I want this right section, I want you guys to look at Romans 3, verses 23 through 26. This middle section, you guys look at Hebrews 2.17, and then this section over here, you guys will look at John 4.10, okay? So here's what I want you to do. Read the text and then ask, what does this text tell me about propitiation? What does propitiation require? What does this concept of propitiation, what does it assume? Or what other words or concepts is propitiation related to? Okay, so just break up with a couple people, just do that textual work, and then we're going to come back together and we'll share our thoughts and just work on this definition of propitiation, okay? So take five minutes, break up with a couple people, and we'll come back together soon. Okay, let's come back together. We see all these, you see some like some overlap as well, don't you? Um, and so we start to, to see these similarities in these texts. And you, you're getting that sacrifice language, you get blood, it's for forgiveness, there's this priestly nature and picture to it has to do with sacrifice. It was given because of love, and God did these things. Okay, so here's what I saw. Okay, similar things. So propitiation, it's accomplished with blood, and it shows God's righteousness. That's some things you mentioned. In Hebrews, we see that propitiation relates to priestly, or these sacrificial rituals, right? And then it takes care of sin. Sin is gone because of the the propitiation. So for those who the propitiation... Who the propitiation counts for, their sin is, is removed. Okay, and then in 1 John 4, we see that it's an act of love, like we described, and it doesn't come from ourselves. It was given. It was a gift. Okay, so these are some things that Scripture's teaching us. And you probably also notice that as we, as we talk about this, it carries a lot of sacrificial connotations, doesn't it? It seems to be borrowing some imagery from the Old Testament, it has to do with death, right? And, and something that's averting God's wrath. So in that way, propitiation, it's, we're seeing it's that aspect of the gospel that reminds us Christ has died. He's died like a lamb. And he's died like a lamb in our place and for our sins. And that all of this was to satisfy God's just wrath against sin. You know, there are other gospel words like justification which we're actually going to talk about in this series that have to do with more like legal connotations yeah right it's kind of a it's kind of a um like a sister term to atonement yeah so right so essentially when propitiation is offered atonement is the result so if the propitiation is offered then the result would be that we'd say our sin has been atoned for so it's really the means to atonement. So yeah, that's a kind of a sister doctrine there. So that's good. Yeah, thanks for pointing that out. So uh, really, so like justification has these legal connotations, and then the Bible also talks about our salvation, like redemption terms. That's like from slavery to freedom. But you can see in these texts that really propitiation is getting at this sacrificial idea, right? It's it's this sacrifice that was made for sin. And so here's my definition of propitiation. And this should be in your second blank here. Propitiation is the work of God to satisfy his just wrath against sin by lovingly sacrificing Jesus in our place. So propitiation is the work of God to satisfy his just wrath against sin by lovingly sacrificing Jesus in our place. So I'm gonna go to the next slide, but it has the, the definition there on top again. Okay, so really, this is, this is a breakdown of Romans 3. Propitiation is the work of God, isn't it? You saw it in Romans. It says God put forward this sacrifice. And in propitiation, it requires death. It says that this happened by his blood, by Christ's blood. He actually had to die in order for this to take place. Propitiation also, though, it assumes wrath. It says in Romans that this happened to show God's righteousness because he had passed o- over former sins. It, it happened so that God might be just in dealing with sin. But then propitiation also we saw in First John, it displays love. It says that God is the justifier in Romans. He's the one who put forward this propitiation for our sins. So, I think this is important to see that the gospel is not just the message that, you know, God sets aside his righteousness. He stops being righteous in order to, to deal with sin. But then, in his, in his mercy, he sends Christ as this sacrifice so that sinners aren't the one who have to pay for their sin. So, God is just. He doesn't pass over sins for forever. And he's the justifier because, in his mercy, he offers the sacrifice for us. And sinners Aren't the one who have to pay for our sin anymore. So uh, the means of propitiation is Jesus. The agent of propitiation who sends it is God himself, and then the need for propitiation is because of God's wrath against sin. And you might be wondering, like, God's wrath? Like, why did God need to satisfy his wrath? Like, um. God has wrath? I mean, maybe you've never even thought about that. Like, God has wrath? I mean, why does he have wrath? And um, because propitiation does assume this wrath that needs to be satisfied, I just wanted to read this quote that I think is really helpful by Michael Horton. He says, because God is holy and righteous, he cannot overlook transgression or sin. God's wrath is not arbitrary or capricious, but it's the necessary response to the violation of his justice his righteousness, his holiness, and goodness. God is not essentially full of wrath, but is only stirred to anger in the presence of sin. And as long as there's the reality of divine wrath, the reality of divine propitiation will be warmly received, right, as its antidote. Here's another helpful quote here by Bruce Debarest. He says, By giving Jesus as a vicarious sacrifice, God was able to, one, remain true to his holy nature, that he can't overlook sin, Two, to uphold his law, which stipulates that sin be punished by death. And three, to mercifully acquit sinners who were deserving of death. Propitiation is the answer to God's wrath. And what's amazing is that he's the one who came up with the answer, right? He's the one who sent Christ to satisfy his just wrath against sin. So, what makes propitiation good news? What makes it gospel? Like, why is this a gospel word? Well, because it explains why sinners don't have to die for their sin, doesn't it? (laughs) Like, this is why sinners don't have to die for their sin because if they trust Christ, then his propitiation was enough. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so this is gracious of God to do this. Like, we didn't deserve that. We deserve to die, but he sent Christ. Yeah, that's right. You know, there's this formula in Leviticus that either you sacrifice this lamb that's without blemish blemish, or you have to bear your own sin, uses this language. Either sacrifice on your behalf or you will bear your own sin. And this is what propitiation is, is, is God saying Christ will bear it for you. Okay, so it's good news because we don't have to die for our sin, but it's also be good, good news because it explains why there's no condemnation for us, right? So, if Jesus died to satisfy God's wrath, that means for those who trust in Jesus' sacrifice, like there's no wrath left for you. Think about like, have you guys ever been to like a uh, great wolf lodge and there's like that, that mega like bucket that's slowly filling with water, right? And you just go as a kid and you run underneath it and you're like waiting for it to just like splash all over you, you know? It's just like slowly filling up and then it eventually pours out. Well, that's what this text in Romans is talking about. It says that God was overlooking former sins. It's like this this trickle of sin filling up God's wrath. And who did he pour it out on? When it was fully poured out on Christ. And Christ was not like, it wasn't like Christ was this rock that when that bucket was poured out, it's like it splashed all over and it splashed on us a little bit. So Christ got most of the wrath, but like we get a little splash, you know? It's like Christ was this big uh, like sponge and when the wrath was poured out, Christ absorbed all of it so that now there's not a drop of wrath left um, in God for you. Like if you're in Christ, like there's no wrath left. There's only love and favor. So that's why propitiation is good news. And it also explains why God, just the glory for our, our salvation, like this is God's work God put Jesus forward to satisfy his own demand so he gets the glory. So that's a biblical definition for propitiation. Let's just think through, as we close here, some biblical implications. So we're gonna ask two questions to close. What should propitiation cause us to do? And then what should propitiation produce in us? Let's just brainstorm together a little bit as a group. I wanna hear from you, like, After thinking about this definition, even if briefly, and looking through these texts, like, what should propitiation cause us to do? What should it cause us to think or believe or how should it cause us to live? Like, how should it change us? Yeah. right yeah right so obedience because we didn't deserve it but like god saved us so let's love him let's live for him yeah 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 right and so maybe if if it should cause us to give thanks maybe sometimes we're not thankful because we don't remember how much god has given us yeah that's good so thankfulness what else Right. All the time. And sometimes we just let it fill up in us, and it makes us feel just ashamed. So we start yeah. Ascribing to God things like a righteous wrath, because he's a human yeah. appreciation. We cannot add to that word, right? Right. So we should just run to him. Every yeah. We have sin or shame or we mess up. It should not be something where we're afraid. Yes. Yes. That's so good. Yeah. We want to run to God because the propitiation hasn't been given. We don't have to work anymore. We just need to rest. Yeah. That's good. What else? Yeah. Yes. Right. Share it. Imagine, like, how many people are living under their shame and sharing this, it's like, hey, you don't have to anymore. Like, you can you can trust in Christ and And he took God's wrath for you, yeah. Trust, Trust, yeah. Trust Trust what? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Trust that it's true. Good. Yes, trust that it's enough, that's right. Yeah, Romans says it's to be received by faith, yeah. Forgive, yes. In 1 John, after he talks about, you know, that propitiation is an act of love of God towards us, he says, so you should now love one another. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Surrender. Why does surrender come to mind? Why does surrender come to mind when you think about this? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Let me uh let me show you what I thought about here. Propitiation should cause us to love. First John 4:11. If God so loved us, we ought to love one another. We mentioned that, but it should also cause us to rest before God. We mentioned this too. In Hebrews 10 it says he, uh, he talks about what Christ has done in sacrificing himself. And then he says, where there's forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. So if there's no longer offering an offering for sin, that God needs to be happy with you, like there's no more wrath for you, then propitiation, propitiation means like, you can no longer view God as harsh, right? Like God is entirely for you. And Christ has absorbed God's wrath. You know, like, why would God have gone through all the trouble of propitiation just to have you, like, try to earn his love? Right, you can rest before God. Okay, what should propitiation produce in us? Faith. Romans 3.25 says that God put him forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Listen to what John Calvin says about this. He says, there is no other satisfaction whereby offended God can be propitiated or appeased. John does not say God was once for all reconciled to you through Christ, now seek for yourself another means. Instead, Christ is, pres- Christ is presented as our perpetual advocate in order that by his intercession he may always restore us to the Father's favor. An everlasting propitiation, by which sins may be expiated. He, I say, not another, takes them away. That is sin. He alone is the Lamb of God and he is the sole offering for sins. So receive it by faith. Don't work for it. Don't think that you can do something to make God wanna do this for you. Like, he's done it. Just believe and receive it. Okay, and then last thing, it should produce prayer. It should produce endurance, and then it should produce thoughtfulness. So I'd encourage you, to read through Hebrews 10 today. It talks about God putting Christ forward as this propitiation that forgives sin, and then he ends it like this. He says, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, so that's his propitiation, let us draw near to God. So go to God in prayer. like Because Christ has done this, you can pray freely to God. He's brought us near. And then he says, let us hold fast to our confession. We can hold fast to this, to the fact that this is true. This is not going to end. It's not going to run out. And then also let's consider how to stir one another up to love and good deeds. So again, that, that first John idea. So let's pray, let's have endurance, and then let's be thoughtful for how to love one another like Christ has loved us. Well, uh, I hope you're encouraged. That's gonna be the end of our gospel growth. Um, We just need to transition to to sermon time. But man, I just hope you're encouraged. Like Propitiation, it is the work of God to satisfy his just wrath against sin by lovingly sacrificing Christ in our place. This is a gospel word. This is good news. And I wonder if you just dare to believe it and let it change your life this week. Okay, we'll see you next week. Next week, we're gonna talk about adoption and we hope to see you there. Thanks guys.